0: Hey, everyone. It's so exciting to be on the call with you all today. I'm on a call with an incredible yoga teacher out of Iowa, actually out of Des Moines, Iowa. And this is Gabe, your host at the Feed Your Yoga podcast. And as this season gets into shape, I'm excited to have Drew on this call and see what he has to share with us. So, Drew, I always like to give the opportunity of my guests to say a couple of quick little words as they introduce themselves to our crowd. So take on the mic.
1: Uh, you bet. Well, I guess I would just ask that uh, the crowd show me a little extra love. Uh, I I had I got a pretty bad cold right now, but I'm just feeling like this was the right day to do the call with you, kind of upheaving some stuff. So it just felt right. That's awesome. No, I mean I love that honesty,
0: brutal honesty right off the bat. So thank you for that, Drew. And yes, lots of healing energy has just been pouring from many hearts right into yours. So, you know, like, I like my show and my show at the moment is focused around talking with male yoga teachers and seeing the perspective they have and what goes on in the yoga world. So let me ask you, as a male teacher, have you experienced any challenges in the teaching experience?
1: Oh, God, yeah. I think we face challenges in every corner of our life. It's just what we do with them. And, um... Well said. You know, I was almost too embarrassed to come on the show and even share some of the things about me because of some of the choices I've made and the ways I've done things before, but I know that doesn't make me who I am you know today or who I'm going to be. So I'm I'm totally uh, comfortable and willing to talk about some of those challenges that I've been through. Uh, I'll be really specific, you know. Some of them date back to like you know my earliest childhood experiences, but others are very real things in the classroom like simply trying to turn and look away from a cute
0: girl or feeling feeling ashamed if I see her beauty. Nice. Well, I love it. Talk about, like I said, a brutal honesty coming right off the bat. You're the first teacher, I think, that really stepped up in all my shows and just at least described their experience of attraction in the yoga space that's just normal on many levels.
1: Yeah, who wouldn't be attracted
0: to great people? I'm attracted to so many people. Yeah, attraction happens. Period. Yeah, yeah, thanks, and I love you too, right back. You know, the aspect there of recognizing things in other people is an attraction, and uh, what I'm sharing in that regard is that yes, especially in today's dilemma with some of the consequences we see of other men examples forget the yoga world, but. We can't avoid that in America, at least. And I'm sure everyone has been noticing what's happening in Hollywood. So without context out there, it's like you said to
1: start with, it's what we do with it
0: that matters more.
1: Yeah. And, and it may not always be perfect. Um, I'll share some pretty imperfect things with you today, probably, for that brutal honesty. It's something that I've always done. But I've also kind of manipulated the situation in the past and tried to cover up and selectively say things to, you know, not be seen in some other ways. I guess what I would really hope is that whoever is committed to listening to this call with us and kind of going through this with us together is that they really open up their own hearts and uh, follow the chain in a way, you know, set some intention and and really listen for the words that are coming through me as if it were God speaking to you, you know, God through me to you. Um, you know, try to, try to listen when you're bored or when you're impatient and really practice presence with us. Nice. Yeah, that's the beauty I like about
0: listening. I think Osho started me on that path long ago with his way of talking. And there is a way to talk that draws listening in and a way to talk that creates uh, silence of disproportion or separation. I'm excited for our call. Let me ask you, you did say that some of this attraction, some of the challenges you faced were based on attraction. Would you like to share how you um, dealt with that? Or how do you deal with that when they happen in the classroom?
1: Well, I'm very human. Um, I I have uh, approached it in so many ways. I've approached it with shame. You know, oh, God, why am I doing that again? I shouldn't be doing that that's strong that's bad i just try I've, uh, I've done it with like an understanding and awareness oh there i go doing that again um and i've done it with uh even like directed reaching out action to start a connection with that person uh, whatever it may turn into um doesn't always have to be immediately something that is you know inappropriate in the world's eyes, or would become that. But it, it's read there before, and and I'll and I'll share some of that stuff as I go along too. Just need a chance to kind of um, keep dipping my toe in here with you. But I'll I'll, I'll definitely share.
0: No, totally Again, the idea for these questions for me is being able to see how one we're all human, and these aspects and examples happen. Daily, everywhere, in every circumstance of our lives, simply because of the nature of human beings. And we are human beings that are attracted to a sense of connection, whether it's talking about yoga, mind, body. But I like to be honest over the fact that on a huge development level, the next connection is the connection we seek day to day, which is a connection with other people. And unless you are some saint who have devoted yourself to some other ideal, you want to live your life with a partner. I'm not suggesting you have to be one type of partner or another. I'm just suggesting that there is a different relationship we seek, that we can use the word love, and we can use the word intimacy, and we can use a variety of words for, but nonetheless, we want that. And we should respect the idea that that is an element in my opinion, that is a yogic connection. Mm-hmm. And, and since that happens in all circumstances of life, because we seek that ideal of connection, the more we have it in ourselves, the more we are able to find others who have it in themselves, and then we can come together. And the fact that sometimes it happens in the yoga room, because this is an environment where there's more people with that mentality in mind, well, then it happens in that space. But that's like you said, said to start with, it's what you do with it. And that's the magic of hearing examples of a variety of people in comparison to the examples that we are fed with the media, whether because of Hollywood or whether because of people like Bikram. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, connection is for sure the core of it. I mean, yoke, bind, yoga, of course, like um, not separate. We know these things. We've heard them, like in many times of definition, and have we experienced them in their full range? Do we get to experience, what it's like, to have a positive connection with somebody, have a negative interaction in connection with somebody? Like, are you really willing to be so raw that you're honest with, as like, where your connection, what's, what's the, how, how plugged in are you? So, I don't know. That's uh that yeah, connection is exactly where I, where I, that's my path is, is connection. Is that what you start? How did you start yoga? Let me ask you this. What brought you to the path of yoga? So I used to say it was like a three-part journey, but I guess it continued to unfold and it will continue to unfold again. So five-part journey someday and who knows. But um, in reverse order from now, um, I really started yoga in the modern world, which is where a lot of our listeners are going to be connecting with us um, because I was going to the YMCA and I was um, doing some triathlon training, and the biking, the swimming, the running all got to be, you know, stressful on your body. And, and the, the competition of it was um, its own drama. And it wasn't really attractive to me, but I still got something out of it, um, if nothing else, finding yoga for sure. I uh And, of course, like my teachers were great, and they really gave me some good foundation. So modern yoga world, YMCA. If that gives you any context, it should, kind of the fitness environment. And then yeah. I really love to tell people that, but I knew yoga before then. I knew yoga when I was in high school, when I had this goal to be the best 400-meter runner at our school. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, there were four people who were faster than I was. And I didn't let that discourage me entirely. I just was like, you know what, all I can do is work to this. And see what happens and I put the track schedule for that final senior year up on my wall and I wrote down 23 push-ups, 23 sit-ups and 23 minutes of stretching every night and I would walk outside my bedroom door after looking at that piece of paper sit down on some cold hard tile in the basement and do that practice and I didn't know anything about yoga or practice but I suppose I was starting to do some of that then So that's two, four, and um, it just keeps getting better, I think. Um, When I was young, I was definitely uh, kind of all over the place and trying to figure out my way in the world. And uh, um, I lived in two different homes. One was in the country, one was in the city, and I was walking around the city with some friends and I uh, stole a book on hypnosis from like the mythical ancient ways kind of store because I didn't have any money to buy it and I just wanted to learn about it and I justified it and saying I'm going to grab this book. And I brought it back home and kind of flipped through it and I even tried to hypnotize my grandma and I remember at the end of it she like just kind of smiled and said you have a really nice voice and that gave me a little love, a little confidence that I hadn't really felt much of and allowed me I guess some confidence and permission to kind of keep going and I went home locked myself in my room with a tape recorder, like a big old boom box. And I read the last couple chapters into the tape recorder of doing a past life regression for yourself. And I laid in my bed as a little like fifth grader, you know, sixth grader or something. And um, I listened to that past life regression and I just stayed there. And I looked up and I was like, trying to make up some ideas and who knows, Maybe that, maybe I was kind of tapped in and connected to something. But I told myself immediately that, oh, you're just making shit up. And we didn't really getting it. But, but maybe there's something here. Like, why am I doing this? What am I, what am I asking this question for? Like, what's the purpose of life? And I thought immediately, oh shit, this could take me the rest of my life to try to figure this out. And I'm trying to do it sitting here in bed. So I better just kind of like land on something for a minute. And I decided that maybe life was sort of like a, a big party. And you got to kind of go and do where you wanted to do. And I guess when you die, you would go back somehow, somewhere to the bigger party. And everybody would like turn and look at you and kind of smile and say, like, hey, how was it? And, and you would have to be really, really, really honest. About exactly how it went, and they would say, "Well, that's okay. Do you want to go do it again?" And that gave me like a little bit of a container to put the idea of like past lives in. And I was just, you know, I don't know. I didn't learn it from anywhere. didn't learn Mm -hmm. it at church or in the book or anything like that. So I felt really grateful to like kind of dive into myself that way. But that's like when we're young and we're you know we're still in our analytical mind and we're still starting to develop our speech and our our like context of the world and I can say that like if I turn and look over my shoulder I see a picture of myself on my shelf and um, that picture is like a little boy uh, it's me with my cat laying in the Sun underneath the table and I can tell you hundred percent like this memory is my first felt memory I didn't have words for it at the time I just knew the feeling. And it was later in life that I put words to it. But I remember the cat kind of getting up, going away, and I wanted to, like, chase the cat. And I stopped myself and I was like, just let it go. Just lay here in the sun and just be happy to enjoy the sun. And, like, I just, I did that. I just remember that. And um, so that was, like, in my definition of yoga, experiencing happiness, joy, contentment not suffering you know that was my first memory and right. um, I'm totally willing to share like the opposite suffering memories in a little bit I guess but
0: let's look at there. No but that's awesome. Sounds like your yoga experience starts not from a more I don't know most people poses per se but rather on a different context altogether that touches on the most philosophical spiritual sides of yoga practice would you say that?
1: Yeah, totally. And I feel like that's what it's all about. In fact, like the fifth part story, which is evolving and has been evolving for a couple of years, like I just, I'm not even ready to share it with you yet, although it's like nothing that profound other than just doing the best practice that I can. Um, but yes, yeah, it started very differently than maybe most people's. Um,
0: yeah, that's, that's beautiful. What would you say inspired yeah. you to teach? Then from how would you get that idea of like then going from from this direction that is unique in its own, to move to a direction of teaching yoga in the more <laughs> presentational manner that it has today through postural guidance. What inspires you to go in that direction, would you say? Or oh, do things. you teach in that direction? That's exciting.
1: Yeah, yeah, I do, very much. Um, I have a little different spin on it, but um, i i um, I was encouraged to teach. Somebody believed in me. You know, nice. my teacher said, "Hey, hey, you should do this." And in right. fact, like I don't say that to very many people. I, I hold space for them, and I think, like I think it, um, but I don't outwardly tell them because that was really uncomfortable for me at first. And I will start telling people more, but um, I just have a different approach than my teachers did. But they just encouraged me, and I um, said no quite a few times, and then I had to sub. Uh, one of their classes because they weren't able to make it with all the other triathlon people, and then I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm I'm teaching now. Um, and then the other thing was like when I was in, you know, the story of encouragement. Like when I was in, like high school for that track training, one of the coaches, like when I was running on treadmills, would say, hey, you should be a coach someday. You you really inspiring to people, and I was like, oh man, I could never inspire anyone. You know, that's the thought that I had, but. Right. Yeah, right. So I was encouraged by others to
0: teach. That's beautiful. No, yeah, I mean that that makes us the best teachers because we come from a different place altogether. We come from a place not that we wanted to be there, but rather have been encouraged by others to follow something that they saw in us. Yes. And, and that's
1: like that's like really powerful. is like what we see in others. Um, it's not easy to do that all the time, of course, we can't like be flawless people, flawless individuals. We have to be the best version of ourselves that we can be um, yeah i uh I don't know well, we I grow through practice go ahead with that yeah kind we share grow because
0: of practice,
1: yes, we totally grow because of practice, and whatever it is that we're practicing, you know um. Mostly, we got to do it with consistency. So, in a way, one of the things I was doing with consistency was always being pretty vulnerable and pretty um, sharing. And that was almost a practice of mine. And it led me down the path that I was. Um, so, I actually am going to tell you like, I was the only reason I decided to do this podcast was because I listened to a interview on the podcast of Jay Z sharing like what his most recent Raw album was. And him and Beyonce both kind of laid it all out there about their struggles. And wow. I was like, you know what, this guy's willing to talk about his stuff. And I I totally appreciate that. I do that too, but I, will, like, I hide myself so much. Um, in fact, like when I listen to your podcast, like I self-judge, you know, this is nobody else's fault. But the way some people talk and the way some people do things, like I just was like, man, I just can't show up in the world the way that I'm doing it because I'm not okay. And truly that didn't have to do with, them entirely, it's equal responsibility. My whole life view for a long time was like, I'm not okay. That was mm-hmm. my first real, um, that was my first real like thing of suffering. So, um, let me ask I, you this just, when you say, now is
0: yeah. from teaching and meeting many people, when you see what the Buddha said, that that is the first and innate challenge that most people have is to just recognize the suffering that they are causing for themselves.
1: Yeah. Like I mean ask there's you, such ask a compassion a que- there. ask yourself uh, this question. Do you know you feel hurt?
0: Yeah, yeah, no. I mean like I mean there's such compassion in his saying that we just don't realize. Like he's not blaming. The Buddha's just simply pointing out like I came from where you came I didn't realize how much suffering I was causing myself by judging myself, not accepting myself. A variety of different things that that go on there, so we can eventually look at each one individually, but as a whole, just this idea that we are the one causing suffering and we are the one doing it. And in order to get out of the way of
1: that is doing
0: things for other people.
1: Yeah. And I... um. I have to say, like, I give our listeners and everyone uh, permission to, like, ask that question when they feel ready. You know, don't force it. Um, Do it when it feels safe. Do it when you're ready to wake up fully and more deeply. Um, You know, this interview, in my mind, is for those who are left wondering what's missing from the modern yoga world, those who want to feel that oneness and have without having to sacrifice or, like, renounce your entire life as it is, Um, for those who want to start from the very next step that they might take because this war towards positivity, towards love, it can't be won alone. We need to do it all together. We need to be brave enough um, maybe even to have to go alone, but know that even though we go alone, we'll find that when we go that we're all standing there together with an unfathomable number of spirits. You know, mm-hmm. other people, other yogis just like us wanting to work together towards something greater than suffering. Wow, that's nice. So, let me ask you, like, I mean, just...
0: I usually ask this later, but the way you phrased your answer, I really liked that and made me think, like, what do you see then challenges that are facing yoga students and yoga teachers in the yoga market today?
1: Um, people pushing their ideals and their their expectations and their ideas about exactly how that should be for someone. Mm. Which is kind of a hard answer because, like, we're supposed to follow the path, but the truth is, we only follow the path of those that we wish to follow. You know. Yep. But if somebody's saying, like, you got to do it this way, and everybody has that idea, it could be confusing for somebody. So that's a big, you, big challenge, I think.
0: You see a lot of dogmatism, if I would use that word, in your environment or around the
1: culture it's, of yoga, as you see it, in your opinion. It's not. You know, I don't even know that I could, like, express what I'm entirely saying so super well that everybody's going to get it. But no. like, it's not that it's not that every teacher is going to impose their dogma or that, of course, like, their teachers impose it on them and it's all wrong. I'm not saying any of that. I'm saying does what they're saying to you resonate with you as a way for you to move forward? Does it help you feel better? If so, then do it.
0: No, I mean, I'll say it. I mean, I think there's a lot of blind people leading blind people. I just spend a lot of time outside of the States. I was hanging out with someone in China. And after a week of them spending classes and workshops with me, the biggest lesson they realized was that they never really listened to their own body. And were never being given that opportunity, kind of, where they were doing a lot of movement based on what someone was saying. And then when I was first pointing out, I was like, okay, well, let's let's see how you feel doing it this way, and let's see how you feel doing it this way. And the easiest example in my head that comes to mind, by the way, is when the arms are up, like warrior one or chair pose or half moon pose from Bikram, when the arms are up over the head straight up, by by natural movement of anatomy the scapula externally rotates the head of the humerus comes by the ear so it looks like the arms are by the ears the shoulders are by the ears and that's what there should be and then and then you stretch up and increase a huge amount of freedom in the scapula in the neck but then if you do the same action but try to pull the shoulder which is the scapula down then it puts a tremendous amount of tension in the tendon in the shoulder and the neck and and when you ask the student to just do it with attention, like meaning feel, feel, exactly. And then you're like, okay, which one do you like better? And everyone points out, like, of course, I like the one where I can just lift my arms and my shoulders way up to my ears. And if you just do it right now, wherever you are, and you lift your arms and you stretch them up and you let the shoulders come up by the ears, there's this huge sense of relief throughout that entire section of the body. And it feels better. And then you're like, okay, well, there you go. Now, I can I can validate it with anatomy also, if you like, and start to talk about, like I did, the external rotation of the scapula, the fact that the head of the humerus rises up by the ear and it's a natural movement because it's a, it's a two-joint movement. Then that's secondary. But that first idea that's like, look, you can feel. And if it feels better to you, why would you look for a different feeling? If it, if it doesn't feel as good as it can, why are you letting someone's words and the way they do it dictate the way you should do it and the way you should teach it just well, because they it. teach I'll it that way it
1: for you. yeah because of the blinds leading the blinds like i'm going to be blind to yeah. things in the future that i'm still doing and until i really, really like admit and feel that suffering that i don't like it then i'm going to continue to do things by others means and so I'm going to you know, really continue to set the tone for brutal honesty, um, which is, again, nothing to do with you. I was finding it hard to connect with you when you continue to talk about anatomy because I know basic anatomy. I don't pride myself in trying to understand every little piece because everybody's so different anyway. I need right. people to understand their own anatomy. So right. I just continue to bring them back to what sensation are you feeling? And I'll offer you, um, you know, sometimes just the posture we can see what's happening and you try to mimic it and you'll see others. And sometimes I'll work on, you know, correcting or aligning the posture in a way that I have found to be more um opening and expanding. But I won't ever like try really hard to force somebody to say like this is the way to do it. But my point is more like the blind leading the blind. Um there will be times when when I still don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. But that's growth, right? I mean, how else are we going to learn? I mean, I'll
0: I'll be honest, if it wasn't for me going every year to someone that I think is better than me or guides me, not better, but rather allows me to grow, allows me to see where I am limited. And that's my teachers, you know? And and then I am able to have them as a mirror that I can then notice where I am growing where I'm not. They're able to correct my direction because how else are we going to grow? How else do we stand up? How else do we learn how to read? Because others are helping us and the idea that we're just going to know it all, it's like, well, come on. I mean, you have to have that example. I mean, if you're like Ramana Maharshi and you wake up and are enlightened, well, good for you. And if you sat for three days and got enlightenment like the Buddha, well, good for you. But I'm honest. That yeah. <laughs> I'm Every, gonna, Everybody I'm gonna mess like, up my practice, yeah. and I have my teachers to help correct my path. Or the yeah. way I see it. Yeah.
1: Well, <laughs> and the way I, I think I see it very similar. Um, and I would like to take our listeners on that journey with us, if those who are willing to so really um, use my story, my example as a example of how this happens mm-hmm. with each other and with, you know, you and I together here. Um, so as teachers, you know, let's uh, let's do a little OM together for fun and uh, invite anyone who wishes to kind of join along with us and try to pierce through that veil of illusion that keeps us apart. Let's come mm-hmm. really close together.
0: Let's do it. You want to leave us? Let's take okay. an exhale.
1: Let's and perhaps maybe they, they haven't, uh, like, you know, they maybe only know one ohm and I'm not going to get into the definitions or anything like that. But let's do an A, a U, and an M and really elongate the M.
0: Love it. So, it's I, U, M. That's like, um, yeah. tasting so good.
1: Okay, so let's exhale.
0: Through.
1: Go ahead. Go through that veil of illusion. Yes. Exhale. Like so. Breath in. Feel that vibration. I welcome all of these other people, all these other beacons of light, and know that you are all agreeable if you're open. Each moment that you encounter is an opportunity to connect with divinity, but only you can choose. You know, I used to get really hung up on the idea of a guru, and I had a hard time giving myself up to gurus, but what I later realized is that I you know, kind of wanted to be friends with everybody, and I wanted a lot of gurus, and that's just what I wanted. I wanted to see the best and beautiful parts in people. I also, wanted to see their it
0: hurts. What do you think of the idea of reading the word guru as G U R U, and a guru is just someone that helps you to see yourself better? Yeah. So how do you think of divinity?
1: Um. You I know, mean, I used to like wonder like, where's heaven? hell or what do I think of all that stuff Um, and eventually I came to the idea that heaven is a choice it's maybe somewhere else that you end up but at the same time maybe it's like a moment and you could be feeling heaven in the moment at any given time and you can stay there and leave, come back heaven is like here right now Mm-hmm. Buried in this flesh and bone That's a good choice um, sometimes it's like maybe we think of it as like unattainable or something that's just waiting to be patiently uncovered um, I Guess I, I guess i want to maybe this is my own self-consciousness um, self-resistance, but like I continue to ask you to have patience with me uh, to really hear and feel my story and let us become acquainted with each other and know each other deeper. Of course. I've always believed that we have a really big impact on each other. What you do matters, no matter how insignificant you feel. Whatever boundaries we make and break with each other, you know, make up that narrative of, of our shared story. And again, everyone that we meet is a doorway for you to open or close. So... Will you let me in? Will you still okay. trust me even though you don't know me? My current partner and I have been through hell and back, and I don't know what's next, but I can tell you it's going to be better than what I've been. And,
0: wow. What well, you, you know, think she would think if she heard this right now?
1: Uh, kind of scared because I don't know. I didn't tell her. I was going to do it and after her for permission. She's pretty aware of my, um, like, uh, somewhat reckless tendencies, though. <laughs> she wouldn't be surprised. Um, but I think because of who she is, like, she, she would still love me no matter what. Um, and I'll have to pay attention, I guess, next time I see her. But um, it didn't depend, you know, on... on who we are, but how we can help serve one another. And she helps serve me in some way and I help serve her. And I'm sharing any of this stuff about me to help mm-hmm. serve everyone listening. Um, yeah, yeah, my friend. Yeah, we
0: choose
1: our, we choose our relationships, whether it's a teacher or a spouse or a student. Um, you have to ask yourself, like, what are you choosing? What are you, what are you committing to when you continue to show up? Am I continuing to show up for grief or joy or suffering or peace? And are you even aware of what you're choosing? For me, yoga has helped me build and accumulate awareness. And that's just how I describe it. When I do the practices and I teach the classes to people, I just think, like, all I'm really doing is helping you start to build awareness around yourself. And what you do with that awareness, it's up to you. The the thing that comes to mind is like where I really started hurting is when I didn't really understand that I was lacking love. Um, you know, it was there. I just wasn't feeling it, which is like that illusion. I was mm. told recently there are only two things, the presence of love and the absence of love. Love looks like all things in all forms. It's just whether or not you're willing to let it in. So I say, be someone who, if you're hurting, or if somebody else is hurting, and unsure of your self, your uncertainties, your doubts, let love in. You know, lay it out there. Anytime you need a shoulder or cry on, or you can you can lay your heart out there. And that might be really really scary for some people who aren't used to doing it. And it's especially scary to receive it when you don't you know how to receive it. By far that's like one of the what is a uh, greatest challenge
0: that most of us face um what in your opinion is then the greatest element of suffering yeah what in your opinion is the greatest form of pain or the greatest sense of suffering
1: yeah.
0: Is it the attachment to suffering?
1: Just one second. I'm going to kind of breathe into it a little bit. But I I mean, I basically kind of know what I want to say, but it's like the lack of letting love in is what I think of of suffering. Um, But there might be more to it. Denial. Just denying love. That's fucking painful.
0: Yes. I mean, but, but you know, I don't, I don't
1: I love. Talk. <laughs> that's about like no, that's beautiful. myself going like, oh, God, don't make me talk about suffering, even though, you know, like that's my entire intention here. I'm going to talk about suffering. But I'm like, oh, geez, like, oh, man, get away from it. I want love so bad. Well, let's give our listeners an ability to kind of feel
0: um, the current way of what love is, if we think of it from a yogic word. I mean, I just recently I listened to Krishna Das talking about love and how his Indian father was laughing at him a little bit where Krishna Das was confusing the idea that love which is who we are and then this relationship love that we tend to seek and then are fed from media that that is what love is and he was just pointing out like well look his Indian father is saying look if you have a relationship, then do your relationship. Like meaning, a relationship is like a business. But love, love is who you are all the time. Yeah. And no, don't one really know it. It. no one can take it. No Oh yeah! Wow. There we go. There you go. You hit the nail on my head. <clears throat> in my opinion, in terms of what Patanjali tries to point out, what yoga points out that we just don't realize who we really are. <laughs> Excuse me. We don't realize who we really are, and we are trying to basically supplement this lack of knowledge with everything else. And that includes food, and then includes sex, and it includes work, and includes includes um, a variety of our human interactions, which haven't changed much in thousands of years. <laughs> Anywhere from the Bhagavad Gita to today, we still do more or less the same thing. We just dress differently.
1: <laughs> yeah, we don't know how to access it, though. I mean, it's like you hear that phrase, oh, yeah, all you need is love, you know. Let's all be love. And I've even heard my parents go, like, yeah, you know, that's sweet, but, like, it's not realistic. And, like, that can be confusing, and that can push you away from love when what you need to do is be drawn closer to it. And so try to find love in your life. And it doesn't necessarily, like you said, look like, romantic love. um, And it can... It can look like maybe your attachments, like I might love my addiction at some point until I start realizing how much it's making me suffer and causing problems in my life. And even then I might still endure it like I did for 30 years and I'll still continue to go through it.
0: Well, that's the beauty of lessons, wouldn't you Mm say? I mean, as, as, as walkers on the path, in my opinion, and correct me if I'm wrong, is walkers on the path of self-awareness, which, in my opinion, is yoga. And then it becomes in all of its forms. But then those of us who walk on that path, and then anything that reveals to ourselves where we are or where we are moving in a direction that's not serving us, and then we're able to error-correct requires a tremendous amount of courage and a tremendous amount of self honesty,
1: yeah, and that's
0: scary, wouldn't you say
1: that's super scary uh self honesty is like you know our 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 we just get hung up in it, like we won't do it, we won't face it, like we know it sometimes, and then we're like, well, we'll again justify it, rationalize it why we're doing it and try to make sense of it and, but it's just a part of our process and like I guess if you want to go quicker, then really tap into like what feels good for you. And if you need to take the winding road through the thorns and the bushes, like you'll still get there. It's just gonna be a little bit
0: painful. Yeah, exactly. But that's what yoga does, wouldn't you say? That yoga basically gives us Clarity, courage, and a path. There's lots of paths. There's one teacher that I know, a man named Neem Karuli Baba, used to point out look, there's five fingers, but there's only one hand. So if there's faith, if there's faith, and if there's this capacity of recognition, that look, there, There's lots of ways you can arrive to where it is your life wanted to take you, however you want to think of it. But why not have something that allows you to find fulfillment? And I'm the first to admit that if someone feels that their fulfillment lies in whatever direction they tell me, that's, for me, their yoga path, you know? I've met a born-again Christian and their faith was such an empowering gift to see that all I had to say was like, look, your faith is why I do yoga. So you have your yoga. That's awesome. It's just that that faith in in that belief of Jesus in that form is not for me. So I can't take that on to me as a path. But the fact that you yeah. did and it served yeah. you, then it's beautiful. It I, I was <laughs>
1: beautiful. I, I'm well, still- right there is an opportunity to open or close that doorway. Right. So my example, my experience is like, I'll give, you, I'll show you an example of how I opened or closed the doorway to love. Uh, my brother is extremely committed to Christianity, and um, that's his way. And I was so challenged by him when he told me this summer, like, you don't know God, something like that. You know, and I'm not even trying to pick on him. I just, that just hurt me. But I was able mm-hmm. at the time to, like, kind of do what you said. Hey, I love you. I love that you um, – I mean, don't get me wrong. I got mad and I just talked to him for a long time. But that was me kind of putting my foot down just a little bit. But uh, I said, you know, that that's, like, where you're at. But, like, believe me, I know. Right. My God. And the interesting thing about it is, like, if we stop lying to ourselves or, you know, I don't want to say lying to ourselves, although that's probably exactly how it should be said in my opinion all the religions of course are the same source you know it's not my religion instead of yours because blah, blah 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 it's there is one source divinity one source energy and it just so happens to be that like this book and people say that it was this and this book said it was this and you know some guru said it was that but like duh shut up it's all the same you're headed to the same place um And where are we headed now? We're we're headed, like, so far out there. You know, we think of, like, the cosmos, and I've been blown away by some of those, like, video telescopes about, like, how big we are and the Milky Way and all the galaxies, and it's, like, mind-blowing. But what was even more mind-blowing was the idea that somebody shared with me that the space and the vastness inside our spirit and our heart, inside of us, is just as big as the entire cosmos. And that's pretty fascinating to think that they're kind of like one in the same. That might be hard and challenging for someone to like contextualize, but like for me, to experience the vastness of spirit of the world, I have to go into like where I am. And a lot of times I didn't do it because it's hard and painful. And like that, it's all that suffering, you know, we're confused, like, We're confused sometimes, and it's okay, but we want to continue to light the path, whatever path.
0: Yes, we become the beacons as we discover the path. And a big element there is simply, like you just said, where Patanjali even points out, look, the universe is already inside of us. And yes, it's scary to go inward, I understand it, and here, I'll give you a path, and and here i'll give you directions and give you ideas of why you're hiding from yourself and it's not your fault. You just uh Vidya is Patanjali pointed out. Uh Vidya, you mm-hmm. just don't know. It's okay you don't know. No, it's not it's not a fault. And then as you mentioned there's a tons of different words to the way to discover. That's why i love about Neem Baba again where he would like to say that Jesus and Krishna and Hanuman are all the same. It's different faces to help different people have their vocabulary to try to make sense of what cannot be made sense of yeah you know
1: and you know we might like even start to like what will happen this is what will happen you know i'll like you will say something that i doesn't quite make sense of mm-hmm. me and everything that i heard and i'll like debate you a little bit and then you'll debate me back or like that is leading down a path of separate things. so like when you say you know, these avatars are the same as one another. I'm like, well, what if, like, they're not the same? They're just different energies, but yeah, they all kind of like are the same, you know, same source frequency, which is love and bigger. And it's like, all I'm trying to do is be right more than you or like share a point. It's like, can I just accept and love your point of view? And will you do the same for me? Like, that's, that's no, no. As, exactly. not not confused. You know? Exactly. Because we're not, we're not getting any younger. Is what, like one of the songs I have on my, you know, the playlist is like, Tygo, you know, there's a confusion to this, the and I show you this. Mm-hmm. And like the time to act is always like right now. Because you can't wait. Because pain and suffering will accumulate in your body. And traumas and your awareness are left undependent. And Like, that will accumulate, that will grow your pain and suffering. And I've felt that big time. And I wonder, like, what am I doing wrong? What am I not facing? What am I not doing? Like I kind of know, but maybe I'm not in denial about it still. Like it's, again, we're not perfect. But the way I do it is like yoga in the classroom setting again is just building awareness, taking action, or different action, and that is up to the students, you know, each individual spirit on like what they're gonna do. It's not for me to tell them what they're going to do to relieve their suffering you know i love like i love music i don't like i don't always understand it right away but like mc yogi um like move forward is one of the songs like with love anything is possible together we are unstoppable he says move inward move outward move forward move upward like don't stop keep moving and check in with me you know sometime again in the future because. Like, what I'm doing in the future won't necessarily be the same as it is today as, like, whatever MC Yogi was singing. But the point is, like, we got to give some effort in order to get away from the pain. Like, what is your attachment to suffering?
0: No, I love the way you phrase it, because you're hitting the nail right on the head. And the solution to suffering as is- as as I have read about it from either Patanjali or the Buddha, both lie in doing something. The Buddha has a very simple, he just says, hey, go do something for other people. And Patanjali says, hey, do something here, focus, concentrate, meditate, however you want Some to phrase
1: it. Other than
0: self, yeah. Right. What would what, what would you say
1: that you would ask people to do? um like start to identify what is their 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 biggest suffering like really track it you know and try to get back to some of the source of it that can be so challenging but you've got to face the music and you got to say like what is this pattern here what have i been doing that's causing all this havoc and chaos and am i like okay with continuing it um like ask Mm. yourself what's what's the what's the suffering And how would you do that in a yoga class? I don't do that in a yoga class. All I do is ask them to bring their attention back to what they're feeling. Because when they build up enough awareness, they'll innately and someday start to not want to suffer. Or they'll continue to suffer and that's their choice. Very true. Very, very true. But I can't take away their suffering with a posture, with a stretch, with a knowledge of anatomy or how much, how many books I've memorized. I can't see that for somebody. Is that your little boy? Yeah. Oh, cool. What's his name? His name is
0: Lior. He's in the background. But I just told hey, him that Lior. he had to be quiet so that we can have our conversation. <laughs> yeah.
1: I'm going like, to... Um, let me ask you this. What are, what are some tips...
0: Room. What are some tips that you have for yoga <clears throat> teachers?
1: Awesome question. And that, um my biggest tip is like know that you are on your own path. Don't get too quick to think that you've got it all figured out and that you're ready to start telling everybody all about it. I mean it's, safe. it's totally safe to share. It's just not safe to impose, you know what I mean? like the yeah. biggest tip is don't impose yourself on people, just be mm-hmm. available to them. be available in the most able way that you are um, i you know, I'll tell you, I've been too available to some students in the past, but you know for whatever reason, we were both serving each other in that way. Thats pretty. will you share a little bit
0: more about how you feel you've been more of it too available? I'd love to hear that,
1: yeah, I'll kind of roll with it here um, so when you really apply the act of looking at your suffering, like it's gonna be scary. you know here's my my own experience, and I'm totally willing to let you know what it was like before, like what it's like now, but you'll have to wait and see what it's like you know someday. Again get in the future, but when I think of myself in the past, I have so many wounds and hurts, regrets, and misled opportunities, you know, all of them led me to where I am, and so for that, I'm so thankful. I'm so grateful. I even have, like, a postcard that I um, made with that sort of a phrase, on and I send that to people from time to time. Um, you know, nobody's story, nobody's hurt is actually greater than another. Like, for me to try to be like, my hurt is so much bigger than your hurt is another form of hurt. And for me to like flaunt my hurts and, 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 uh, like share them is, is like, I don't know. It's kind of, it's, well, I don't want to say too much because I'm about ready to do that in a way. Like, I'm totally willing to share my hurts. Um, but like, you don't want to use it as a tool to, try to be, you know, gain somebody's acceptance. And like, that's what I was kind of doing before. So my point is like, um, like I was a, when I was a kid, I, you know, eventually start to accumulate those hurts and traumas. And like, eventually it led me away from love. And I started to be a liar, a thief, you know, a cheater. Like I was selfish and, and like sometimes even just straight up unintentionally manipulative, but wow. I was always also in my heart, compassionate and curious, and I was so generous and I was always growing into something better than I was because this is the hard part is like I was told so many times that what I did, how I did it it should have been different, could have been better. Like I wasn't okay with the message that I got, but that helped me grow into something better day by day. But it also hurt me so bad that it held me back at times and caused the ripple effects and patterns you know but again like that was me before and now like recently i'm someone who's committed to learning more about boundaries and and letting love come in fully you know i gave myself permission to do that with just a simple intention to let love in it can be as simple as setting intention because it's like What's that phrase like everybody and everything you do is like, it's not what happens, but it's like what meaning you attach to it, something like that. So Yeah, no,
0: exactly. And that's how he started the conversation where the perspective is what counts and practices that have the courage to fail and then do it again and then not judge yeah.
1: and not feel judged which is the I'm biggest so, I'm challenge. I'm so glad you started a practice. I'm so glad you got a practice, yeah. Because that's like, you just do it again and again. You keep coming back to it. Is is that all you had to say? I'm sorry. Yes. No, that's it. Yes. And you're right. Practice is come back and do it. Just, just do it. Yeah. And so for yeah. those of you glad that I are feeling did. really guilty right now, like, oh, oh, I haven't done my practice. I'm not very good at it. Like, I... My practice doesn't look like it it's supposed to look like, like, you know, like, I understand. I was so lost in the modern yoga world that when I went to Boulder and took a class with, um, just like some, some young gal, like, she probably was young and inexperienced and maybe like a fourth hour teacher or something like that, that was teaching in a small space and, um, I got really frustrated set up, and I was like, What you're doing is so incredibly like sporadic and all over the place, and not okay, but I like realized at that moment I was judging the shit out of her, and in fact, like she was just showing me what like I do sometimes I'm the blind leading the blind in the same way, like I'm just doing some of that same thing. This may be like a little bit more uh, shiny, you know, a little bit more like refined, or maybe a little bit more intention behind it. But it was like, that point, I was so fed up with yoga that I thought there's got to be something more. I'm not getting it, you know, like in the setting, I'm not getting it. And I kept knowing what I needed to do, but I wouldn't do it. And like, it wasn't it was just until I was ready that I got so fed up with myself that I like threw down my mat on my floor next to my bed and put my bed right next to my mat on the floor like really low and just got up one day and was like, I'm going to do practice tomorrow whether I want to sleep in bed or not and um, I guess I said I wasn't going to share a lot of that journey because it's still unfolding and I'd like to keep some of that kind of to myself yet because I just haven't fully feel like I want to put it out there for everybody. Like people will get it on their own time but... um, or reach out something individually like that's that's cool with me. But it, it it boils down to like doing a practice. And like the time that I actually did the practice, I was so lit up on side inside. I was so on fire. I was so motivated to like pursue my goals in life. That after I stopped doing it and got you know re attentive to the other things like the the material things in life or like my goals that. That it all started to fall apart on me, and I tried harder and harder, and like I've you know I experienced the more like more like heaviness and like uh, like lack of confidence and lack of love, if you will, from just like trying to do it my own way again. But again, it's all part of the path. So I just give everybody permission to fully express yourself, like on this planet while you're here. There's a poem by uh, like Dreaming Bear that I really love, something like, Be a Fool, Dancing in the Divine Court of God's Love. Like, be, be ridiculous. Do do you. Act however you feel most compelled, but just be aware that where is the urge coming from? If we pick it up from others, their beliefs, their attitudes, their actions, their energies, their intentions, their stuff, you know, it's not coming from us. And Sometimes that happens intentionally because we choose to give it to somebody, sometimes it happens totally unintentionally, but the permission is go down your path. Just look for the urge. Where is it coming from? Is this suffering or is this uplifting? That's great. That's uh, beautiful.
0: Man, I really love this conversation. I loved your insights. they were amazing. I mean, I can't wait to hear the comments from the listeners. But um, as we wrap up, let me ask you, is there anything more in particular you feel that you want to share with uh, the listeners? Because you shared a lot. And I, for one, have found, again, the beauty of the philosophy behind the practice. Notice we had this whole conversation and we never once went into poses. And yet the poses are just a way for us to show up onto the mat, to refocus ourselves so that we can discover why we are causing our own suffering, so we can undo the suffering. But the only way to undo the suffering is to practice. It's kind of a catch twenty two, wouldn't you say?
1: Yeah, yeah, it totally is. Um, I do have a little bit more to share, but I know that like maybe you have limitations on your on your podcast or your time. Um, I would I would like to, you know, continue to. To do what I came out to do, which is to really express like all those vulnerabilities and what got me here, so that people knew that they weren't alone. Um, maybe it's like maybe you can split it or something like that, and like it can be like a yeah, we can do a part
0: too. Because we've been, I mean, we've been gone an hour now. The average listener loves the yeah. show, but the attention
1: span totally. Their attention span.
0: They're like, yeah, yes, I've been listening to you guys. I'm driving. I want to get to this. Oh, I can't stop listening, <laughs> but I gotta to go to work.
1: Yeah, I totally respect
0: that. Um, so, so like uh, until next time.
1: I, yeah, uh, but I mean, yeah, I really would love to you. be able
0: to give you a chance to wrap up because you have you had some really amazing thoughts, and I'd love for so you to feel like you at least wrapped them up well. So they'll listen for another two minutes or so. I know you, listener. And I'll come back. That's the beauty of a podcast show. But yes, we'll have to do longer, another one, another time. But that was a lot of great information, as I said, and a lot of great content and a lot of up and honesty that they should digest.
1: Yeah, it's a lot to digest too. So here's, I think, keep it simple, stupid, right? Like we set out with the intention Mm -hmm. to pierce through that veil of illusion. And maybe they heard something that allowed them to take a closer look um in the meantime, go study the OM symbol Yeah, and what it means. You know, I don't need to explain it. You can look it up, or so you can describe it.
0: Well, let's give but... them a quick definition, you know? I mean, the OM is the soundless seed. Even Albert Einstein says there's a sound in the universe, and there is a sound. And when you pay attention to the sound, it sounds like OM, and Sanskrit is based on this element, and idea that these ancient yogis felt this earth vibration, this sound that, that was just here. Like, they didn't know where else it came from. The mythology is about Brahma and having a thought about himself and not made the sound. That someone should go and research on their own. But a quick little thing is, om is the sound of the universe, and it's the sound that has no seed. In Sanskrit, all the other sounds are derived out of ohm and then it was, was the beginning and the end, you know. And then it's a beautiful little thing there. And then from here, the listener can easily go to Google. Mm. At least they're also left with a simple way of describing this sound that doesn't need to be anything more than what it is, which is just a sound, and it's a wonderful sound, and it's a relaxing it's sound. It's a pathway.
1: It's a doorway to like, seep through that illusion. It's an opportunity. It, it is a sound and a vibration. And it doesn't matter if you sing it louder. In fact, I was told that, you know, it's more powerful if you sing it softer. Um, but it's like the three, you know, the backwards three is like, as far as I, you know, I've studied, which is pretty simple, is the three states of awareness or consciousness, like the dreaming state, the subconscious state and your conscious state. And that's like how you experience this world. And then the little flash above it with the dot above the flash is illusion, which is that that suffering. And to be able to see through that illusion that we are something greater, something bigger. So, again, study the elm symbol, not to remember like what it's drawn like or what it sounds like. Study it in this way. Study it as Do I want to do this? Do I want to stop suffering? Where are my sufferings? Where are my hurts? And then we could talk some more. I
0: love that. That's a perfect ending. Wow, that's powerful. I'm going to have to put that as the title of the show. And mm-hmm. suffering with Drew Mayfield. So I love, I mean, can you tell the listeners how they can find you? So I know you're in Des Moines, you're teaching some classes at the city, share with them how you're, how they can find you, what you're, what you're doing exactly.
1: Yeah. The very best way to find me is to show up and see what happens. Um, that may be a lot to ask for somebody. Like, you can find me on a Facebook page or send me an email, like, Drew at com. But, like, I might not even answer the email, not because I'm not trying to be respectful of you, but because, like, I've got my own life and my own suffering is going on, I will do my best to, to, you know, reach out to whoever feels right. And, and I'll commit to this, whoever sends me anything, I'll honor that you reached out to me. And I'll do again, my best to connect connect with you. But um, I always tell people just show up. I don't care if you pay me. I don't care if you like what I'm doing or don't like it. Like, but you can't get anything that I have or get anything that we can create together by not coming together. You gotta
0: Correct. So, I know I've practiced with you once, um, and just around, so teach that, uh, what where can people show up and actually see you and be with you
1: to take classes these days? Um teaching on Monday nights is my main class at 6.30 p.m. in the East Village of Des Moines. And as long as that space is available, I'll do that. But what I really hope to do is, is um, grow a little bit in a responsible way. And if the tribe comes together, I do have, like, a perfect dream space. You know, I've been dreaming about it for three years. I want to do it. I not believe that I was a big enough leader to do it, but you could practice with me, you know, anywhere you find me, and then help me create a sacred space that so many people from all over the world might want to come to, to be allowed to be themselves. Oh, wow. You know, lift, lift up everybody listening, lift up everybody in Des Moines, everybody I practice with to something higher, to a higher ground, a higher place. That's what I, that's what I hope. Is to see people and and rise up together
0: that's awesome. No I mean, is there more information for me to be able to link it so that people can understand more about this idea?
1: Of course not I'm like I'm super hidden about it all because I'm like really nervous and like judge myself and compare myself to others and like how I couldn't do it. you know, it's like I'm waiting for somebody oh. else to, to like help me do it, but that was that was. And that's a good place to put it
0: out there. I love it. Way to put it out there now. So now the universe knows that you're seeking the help. And that's, for me, the reason I go to Thailand to see my teacher, me acknowledging that, wait, I'm always going to want to ask for help. Stepping onto Mm -hmm. the mat is my way of asking for help. And this idea that we are completely imperfect is impervious to the idea of surrender. And it's only to surrender that we re- really discover who we are. We can't say, oh, I know. you got to let go, and then you know.
1: Which is really odd,
0: because it's a catch twenty-two.
1: Mm-hmm. do. Yeah. Well, I invite anybody to reach out. It doesn't mean that I'll just, you know, say yes to the first thing that comes my way. But it's like, I have the intention. If you share the intention, then we can work on it together. And in the past, I just wasn't open to probably working on it together. I just, like, had my way, you know. So I'll continue to try to open and expand. And, and thank you for taking your time. Thank you so thank much. Thank you, really stuck with it. And I would love to see you, meet you, connect with you. And you guys should. I've taken Drew's class. He's awesome.
0: Drew, I really want to thank you for being on this call. We'll definitely have a follow-up session for everyone. Until then, thank you for listening. Y'all have a great afternoon, evening, or morning, wherever you're catching it.
1: it. Mm.